Blog Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. Order up. This is Father Evil, and it would be a sin not to listen to the Squared Circle Cafe, and I will be praying for you as you listen. Et orare provobis in tenebris, dinomene patret fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. <laughs> and good evening, everyone. I'm back. Welcome to another edition of Square Circle Cafe. I am your host, Daria. Come on in, sit a spell, have a nice cup of ice, Joe, on this warm August evening. It is August 24th, 2017. We are following up on the aftermath of SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver, plus Raw and SmackDown. But um, I just want to take a moment real quick to talk about last um, Tuesday. I was live at the WWE SmackDown that was here in Providence, Rhode Island. And um, if you saw, if you follow me on Snapchat, you can you saw some of my videos on there. I also did a couple of live Facebook videos outside of the arena. Uh, a couple of stories I want to share with you real quick. My um, daughter is obsessed with the musical Hamilton, the award-winning play starring Lin-Manuel Miranda, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, in which talks about Alexander Hamilton. Well, for those of you who may follow Aiden English on Twitter, he's at WWE Drama King. He had been petitioning for quite some time to play Alexander Hamilton in the play, even going so far as to create a hashtag Aiden English for Hamilton. So as he was, so as my son and I were sitting outside watching the WWE superstars pull in, coming up was Aiden English. Now, if it hadn't been for my daughter, I never would have gotten the reference. So I went ahead, and when he drove in, I looked at him and I went, Alexander Hamilton. And he looked at me and he was like, see, she gets it. I was just like, oh, my God. And so I want to thank my daughter for the reference on that because if it hadn't been for her, I never would have known what Hamilton was about. So I got a, so we got a kick out of that. And then later on, as more people were driving in, both Natalia and Naomi arrived. And, of course, as you know, both of them are stars of the hit 
e-show Total Divas. Well, once again, the reason why I say that is because I had been on Total Divas once before, only the clip was never used. But yes, Naomi and Natalia were being filmed for the show, and the producer came over, and she looked at me and my son and said, I think you two got in the shot, so I need you to sign waivers. So, of course, we went ahead and signed waivers, stating that, in fact, that we would love to be on Total Divas. Well, here's hoping they actually use the clip this time, because like I said, last time I signed a waiver for Total Divas was when I met Brie Bell and Daniel Bryan. However, they did not use the footage, so I don't know. But apparently this is going to be in the new upcoming season, so be sure to look out for that. And since we signed the waiver, our faces should be in clear view. <laughs> so later on in the broadcast, so later on, we're in the arena waiting for the doors to open. We can hear them rehearsing Shinsuke Nakamura and Jinder Mahal's entrances. Only when I heard Jinder Mahal's music, I kept hearing drumming as well. Like, I don't know if you heard that. Well, and I said on my Snapchat that I think they were planning some kind of celebration for Jinder Mahal. Well, in a way, I was kind of right, because as you saw on last week's SmackDown, the show opened up with a celebration of India's Independence Day. where, And we saw the troop drive in earlier, as well as the woman who sang India's National Anthem. Well, I was the only one in my section who actually stood up, so... <laughs> <laughs> but I have to admit, it was a lot of fun. I had some really great seats. But I got to admit, my favorite moment of the night was Baron Corbin's epic fail in trying to cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase. Because two things. One, totally unexpected. Which, I mean, I, at this point, I hadn't heard any rumors. I didn't know what was going on. I had my theories as to when Baron was going to cash it in. I thought he would do it at SummerSlam. But when I saw him standing on the ramp, looking at the suitcase and looking at the ring, I was like, no. And I even put on my Instagram, not my Instagram, I put on my Facebook a video of Baron looking at the suitcase and then running into the ring, hitting, and I'm standing there. This is my first time live ever seeing a Money in the Bank cash-in. I've never seen it before except, you know, on TV, special events, what have you. It was like the most amazing thing. And then when the ring announcer made it official, you cannot hold, I cannot contain my excitement. You can hear me in the video going, are you fucking kidding me? And it was just the most amazing moment ever, seeing a cash-in live for the first time. However, as we all saw, John Cena was still at ringside. John Cena caused a distraction, which gave Jinder Mahal just enough time to recover Roll up Baron Corbin for the win, and Baron Corbin is the third man in history ever to fail at cashing in Money in the Bank. The other two, of course, being Damian Sandow and John Cena. Ironically enough, it was John Cena who caused Baron to lose his briefcase. So, but it was one of those amazing moments where it was just like, man, I am so glad I got to see it live. I mean, the show itself was amazing. And for those of you who are wondering, Sami Zayn was there. He was in the dark match main. He was in the dark match opener. Um, he was um, a part of a six-man tag team. It was Sami Zayn. Um, oh crap! I just forgot. 
It was Sami Zayn on one side. I know their opponents were the Ascension and Michael Kanellis with Maria Kanellis in his corner. On the other side was, wasn't Brizango because Brizango was doing their fashion peaks, which we'll get to that later on. It was two singles competitors, and I am so kicking myself for drawing such a blank as to who the other competitors were. I am so mad at myself now. I know it was Sami Zayn. I'm trying to think of the entrance team. Not even thinking of the entrance team is helping me out here. So I'm going to have to go back and look at my pictures on Facebook just so I can remember. Ty Dillinger and Luke Harper. Okay, there it was. Ty Dillinger and Luke Harper were his, were his tag team partners. And, oh, another story. Before the show, I did a couple of live, live Facebook videos. And on my second live Facebook video, Luke Harper pulled in. So not thinking anything of it, you know, this is Luke Harper. There's no way he's going to come over. Well, sure enough, he came over to take a couple pictures and sign some autographs. I'm standing there. My son gets a selfie with him, but I couldn't get my camera in time because me, I'm on Facebook Live. So, and you can hear him like, oh, that sucks. Because I wasn't able to take a picture of them. But at least my son was able to take a picture of him. And my son, he's a pretty tall kid, but Luke Harper dwarfed him. So <laughs> that was pretty amazing. But, yes, I have a Facebook Live video with Luke Harper. You know, that was a kick. All in all, the SmackDown before SummerSlam I thought was a great go-home show. They did a really good job of it. It was a lot of fun. And then I finally got to see 205 Live for the first time which I completely got a kick out of it. I unfortunately, though, was not able to stay for the Tazawa celebration because I don't drive, so I had to rely on public transportation, and my last bus was going to be leaving in, like, 15 minutes. So I had to leave, but I left just before Neville brought out the countdown clock, letting people know that Tazawa had exactly four days, five hours, blah, 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 till SummerSlam, which we're going to get to in just a moment. But, yeah, I had so much fun meeting everybody. And earlier today, my son and I actually got a chance to meet the Usos at Cricket Wireless as part of their promotional tour sponsoring SummerSlam. And today I discovered that the signing actually made it into the local newspaper. And my son and I made the paper. There was a lot of so it was pretty funny seeing that picture there, and you can see me wearing, of course, Square Circle Cafe T-shirt, which you can get at ProWrestlingTees.com/squarecirclecafe. You can get it in both regular T-shirt form. You can also get it in tank top form, both for men and for women. So if you get a chance to go to ProWrestlingTees.com/squarecirclecafe to get your own shirt. So it's pretty cool to see the shirt on in a newspaper article. But the Usos, they were really nice. They were really cool. Um, we got a really awesome picture with it, although I think Jay wasn't exactly too happy with the fact that, you know, my hand was on his back. But I kept it high. I was respectful. But it was, like I said, it was a really fun time. I had a blast. My son loved me in the Usos. It was so cool. And I was just amazed at just how much fun it was. But the whole day was fun. 
going to SmackDown, and of course, the next day I had the what everyone gets it whenever you go to a wrestling show, you get the wrestling hangover. God, it was awful, and <laughs> and I had to work the next day, but it was one of those things where it was every chance it was worth it. So I was just so happy that I went. I'll do it all again in a heartbeat and more. Okay, you're probably wondering where everybody is at this point. Um, Beth is working, and she said she's going to be a little late getting out to the show. So when she's here, she will join us. And JC had an appointment today, so she said she wasn't even sure if she would be joining us tonight. And, of course, Jeremy is still on hiatus until October because he is focusing right now on his um, – Find a Bifida Coalition fundraising, the walk and roll, the rock and roll that's coming up. Um, you can get more information about that. I'm sure Jeremy will be sending his little audio clip for us to hear, as he does every year when this goes on. All right, so let's go with NXT TakeOver, which had quite the spectacle this weekend, this past weekend. And there was a lot of eye-opening moments at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn this week, this past weekend. The show, of course, was pretty phenomenal, but here we go. Andrade Cien Alamos defeated Johnny Gargano with a bit of a distraction. A DIY t-shirt was tossed into the ring, giving him the giving Alamos just the needed distraction to get the victory over Gargano. Sanity surprisingly defeated the Authors of Pain to become the new tag team champions, but not without a message being sent to them by Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, now a member of the NXT roster, the team formerly known as Red Dragon, setting their sights on the tag team titles. Aleister Black defeated Hideo Itami with a... Brutal black mass, now almost decapitating the guy with his kicks. Asuka successfully defended her title against Ember Moon, retaining the WWE NXT Women's Championship. However, there's news about her in just a moment. And finally, we have a new NXT champion. Drew McIntyre defeated Bobby Roode to become the new NXT World Champion. However, his championship celebration was short-lived as Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly came out to distract him, giving NXT's newest signee a chance to jump him, which of course is Adam Cole. Adam Cole, baby! (laughs) As he would say, Adam Cole, of course, a former member of Mount Rushmore, former member of um, ROH, and now a former ROH World Heavyweight Champion, former ROH Television Champion, now an NXT superstar. So it's pretty awesome to see. He's also a former guest here on the show, which uh, I thought was pretty cool. So is Bobby Fish. So it was pretty awesome seeing them on NXT TakeOver. So it's just amazing to see, to look at that and think, hey, I interviewed those guys. (laughs) 
So it was really cool about that. So yeah, Adam Cole is now a member of the NXT roster, so it's only going to be a matter of time to see what happens from here. But yeah, NXT Takeover had its um, moments. However, there are break. There is latest news coming out of NXT Takeover that um, that involves our WWE NXT Women's Champion. WWE.com is reporting that. Asuka suffered an injury during her matchup against Ember Moon. She broke her right collarbone. And she is not cleared to compete because of the injury. And there's really no timetable given when she's going to come back. Um, People have been saying maybe six to eight weeks, maybe longer, depending on the severity of the break, Um, which is usually... um, you know, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. So now the question is, will Asuka have to give up the WWE NXT Women's Championship or will she remain champion but stay off TV for a while? And that also brings up another question. Who will be next to step up to challenge Asuka? Will Ember Moon try again, and will third time be the charm? Or will Asuka successfully defend her title again, making her one of the longest reigning champions ever? She is standing right now at 507 days, maybe even longer since the report came out. Yeah, that report came out three days ago, so we're at 510 days. So another 100 days and she would have held that title for an entire, well, for two entire years. So it's like, yeah, that's pretty long reigning. That's almost honky-tonk territory right there. However, if she winds up being stripped of the title, she can honestly say that no one ever beat her. So I don't know what WWE's decision is going to be, but I know one thing for sure. We want to wish the best to Asuka in hopes that she will heal and be back sooner rather than later. But she can honestly say that she is truly the Empress of Tomorrow and has the longest title reign in NXT, maybe even WWE. So we'll see. All right, so best of luck to Asuka with that. But yeah, NXT TakeOver was pretty cool. Another thing I noticed, too, is that the two guys who had live musical entrances actually were successful. Because normally, from what I've seen, people, you know, who have live music entrances never really win their matches. And, well, (laughs) yeah, that leads us into SummerSlam. But we'll get to that in a moment. SummerSlam was live from... Also, the Barclays Center. Pretty much the next four sets of events were at the Barclays Center. NXT TakeOver, SummerSlam, Raw, and SmackDown. So, All right. We had in our pre-show matches, The Miz and The Miz Taraj defeated the team of the Hardy Boys and Jason Jordan. Neville once again regained the Cruiserweight Championship from Akira Tozawa. 
The Usos defeated the New Day to become the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. John Cena, and on the main show, John Cena defeated Baron Corbin. Natalia defeated Naomi to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Big Cass defeated the Big Show, despite the fact of Enzo Amore being locked up in a shark cage. Randy Orton defeated Rusev in pretty much what's now the new shortest match in SummerSlam history. Sasha Banks defeated Alexa Bliss to become the new Raw Women's Champion. The Demon, Finn Balor, defeated the Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt. And a surprising, it was a surprising twist. Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins defeated the tag team of Cesaro and Sheamus to become the new Raw Tag Team Champions. The United States Champion AJ Styles successfully retained his United States Championship against Kevin Owens with the special guest referee being Shane McMahon. WWE Champion Jinder Mahal defeated Shinsuke Nakamura. And in the fatal four-way for the Raw Universal Championship, you can't believe I'm about to read this sentence. Brock Lesnar defeated Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, and Samoa Joe. Wah, wah, wah. All I can say to that is why. Okay, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um... All right, the opening, the pre-show matches, everyone, of course, had their opinions about it, but the one thing that people were noticing was that the pre-show matches were pretty much happening where the arena was half empty. Well, it should be noted that the Barclays Center takes their security very seriously and was only allowing groups at a time to come in. So, therefore, that's why it looked empty, especially during the Hardys Miz match. So... It was nothing against them. It was just they wanted to make sure that everyone got searched before coming into the arena. Now, I kind of saw this match coming. I said it on Twitter that this would happen at SummerSlam. But the fact that it was on the opening contest, I'm not exactly surprised about. Only because originally the Hardy Boys were going to be on the main card versus the Revival. But Dawson received that injury and was unable to compete. So that match had to be put on hold. But of course, the Miz really didn't have anything to do, so they fairly figured just put him in a matchup like that and see what happens. Which, I get that, but out of everybody's championship matches, the only title that was not on the line was the Intercontinental Championship. Which I thought was kind of odd. Odd in the sense that Miz doesn't have an opponent. And unless they're building up Jason Jordan to be the Miz's next opponent, I'm not sure where they're going to go with that, especially when he has a Miz Tourage and Maurice at ringside. So I don't know. Now here's, now, here's another matchup that kind of has me questioning. Akira Tozawa took two times before he finally got his chance to become the Cruiserweight Champion. Like I said, the celebration was on 205 Live here in Providence. And I didn't think anything of it, but what I want to know is 
why put the title on Akira Tozawa if you were just going to take it off of him four days later? I don't know. It, I mean, it's one of those head scratchers for me because I thought for sure Tozawa would be the one that to throw him. I mean, it was pretty good. I mean, you had him. He's a member of Titus Worldwide. But it still was like, what happened? Like, why was Akira Tozawa champion for only four days? So, with Neville being the Cruiserweight champion now, who's going to be the one to dethrone the king once again? It's one of those, I mean, it's just... uh, I'm just trying not. I'm just trying to understand it. I mean, why do that? So I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know. I'm sure the question will be answered at some point. So, all right, we had another title change on a couple, another match. The Usos defeated the New Day to become the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. All right, well, Usos are a great tag team. New Day, this is awesome too. But I'm not seeing this in a bad way because I honestly think New Day is not going to suffer from this. They are establishing themselves as being one of the best tag teams that WWE has right now. I mean, they're energetic, they're entertaining. They make sure to stay fresh. They're never stale. It's They are one of the best things going on in WWE right now. So it's I'm just finding it really amazing how the two of them, uh, three of them, hitting the refresh button and coming up with great ideas and stuff. And this is just another, you know, roadblock for them, but I'm sure they're going to get over it. And I'm reading reports that the WWE is planning on creating New Day as being one of the best tag teams going on right now, meaning that all right, New Day has already broken Demolition's record for the longest-reigning tag team champions. Well, the next step now is for them to start getting up on the level of, like, the Hardy Boys, Dudleys, Edge and Christian, as far as title reigns go. Because as you all know, all of them have had those titles multiple times. I believe seven is the number. So then, that's going to be it. They want the New Day to break that and become a very powerful faction as well as a very powerful tag team. So, you know what? That's not a bad idea. I think New Day honestly can do it. I mean, they have the dynamic to pull it off. So, good luck to them and... Hope WWE knows what they're doing. All right, on to the main card. John Cena defeated Baron Corbin. John Cena had been having some bad blood with Baron Corbin for quite some, for quite a couple of weeks, and Baron, of course, hasn't been too happy with John Cena, especially since it was John Cena who cost Baron his money in the bank cash in. The distraction from him, as they said, allowed Jinder for the roll up. And having Baron become yet the third person to fail at Money in the Bank. 
However, Baron Corbin, unfortunately, was not able to put Super Cena down, and John Cena came out victorious in that matchup in what was going to be his final SmackDown matchup. All right, moving on. Speaking of SmackDown, we have a new SmackDown Women's Champion in the form of Natalia. Now, I got to admit, I, I mean, this was one of those matches where I'm happy, but I'm sad. Natalia and Naomi are both extremely talented wrestlers, and they both are well-deserving of being champions. Naomi, she was the longest, she was one of the longest reigning SmackDown champion at that time, and her field of global movement has been spectacular. I, when I finally saw that live, I just could not believe how much energy you just feel from it. It's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, you just go with it. It's so beautiful, so awesome. And she backs it up in the ring. She is just amazing in the ring. I mean, of course, she's got as much help as she can being married to an Uso. So that helps her out a lot. And, of course, we all know about Natalia's heritage. She comes from wrestling royalty. But, yeah, this is, I mean, unfortunately, when I saw Naomi tap out, a part of me was really heartbroken because I did not want to see her lose. I mean, I really didn't. I really loved her as champion, and I still do. But also, Natalia, it has been a long time since that girl's worn some gold. So it's nice to see that she finally is getting her chance to shine and become the SmackDown Women's Champion. What I didn't like was how the WWE kept focusing on Naomi and her emotional state after the show, after the match was over. It was like, why are you doing that? Focus on Natalia. Don't focus on Naomi's sadness. Focus on the fact that you have a new champion. It was bad. And I thought it was really tasteless. Especially since they didn't do that later on with another matchup, but we'll get to that in a moment. So, Natalia is now the new SmackDown Women's Champion, but of course, we did not have a cash-in. Carmella stayed out. She wasn't going to cash it just then. We all know she's waiting for that right moment to do it. Now, unlike Baron, I think she will be successful in her cash-in. Of course, we all know that she's got her insurance policy back, so that doubles her chances. So we got going on here. Big Cass versus the Big Show, the Battle of the Bigs. With this matchup, we had, to make sure that Enzo Amore wasn't going to interfere, he was put in a shark tank hanging above the ring. Now, if that's not comical enough, what made this even more entertaining was the sheer fact that, one, he kept talking throughout the entire matchup, which was pretty hilarious. And two, he was trying to get out of the cage. Now, the match itself, eh, Could have been a tiny bit better. I guess maybe for me, it just went on a little too long. 
But, you know, they really want to push Cass as a massive heel. So I can understand why they would make it as long as it did. However, just the sheer fact of Enzo in that cage, trying to rattle it, trying to open the door, and then getting to the point where he actually strips down to his boxer shorts, and I swear to God, I think he was wearing Ultimate Warrior print underwear. I wasn't able to tell. Stripped down to his boxer shorts and lube himself up. Yes, oh, I did not stutter, and oh, was I making this up. But if you saw the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He lubed himself up, greased himself up, and was small enough to actually slide through the bars of the cage, giving him a chance to make an attempt to help the big show, but to no avail because no sooner did he hit the ground, Big Cass gave him the big boot. But it was enough of a distraction for him to get the victory over the big show, but like I said, this wasn't one of the finer matches on the card. Like I said, it could have been a little better, maybe if it wasn't so long, but it was still, eh, oh well. <laughs> it, but it's like, but it was pretty much the moment of the night was Enzo stripping down to his, it's one of those things where, how do you explain that to someone who's not a wrestling fan? How do you explain a guy wearing boxer shorts with it looked like roses on them flipping out of a shark cage? I don't know. But, yeah, Big Cass got the victory in that. Which I think, like I said, I think that was actually not a bad idea. I mean, Big Cass, they're trying to pull him over as a massive heel. So, of course, he's going to beat someone just as big as he is. So it only makes sense. However, what happens to Enzo now? Well, we'll find that out later on. Randy Orton defeated Rusev in pretty much what's now... What I'm now considering the shortest match in SummerSlam history, beating the Ultimate Warriors record in 1988 of 28 seconds, we actually sat here, counted it, it was 11 seconds. Between bell ringing, RKO, three count pinfall, it was 11 seconds. So. Randy, it was pretty much not really much you could say about that matchup except Randy won. All right, Sasha Banks defeated Alexa Bliss to become the new Raw Women's Champion. And here's what I'm, and here's the moment I was talking about. When Sasha won, they didn't have any kind of focus on Alexa and how upset she was about winning. So why couldn't they have done that to her, what they did with Naomi? It was something I just couldn't understand. It was like, 
Honestly, why would you do that? But it was pretty cool to see. I mean, I have to admit, it was pretty cool to see Sasha as champion again. But I just kind of wish that Nia had won the matchup instead, and it would have been Nia versus Alexa, because I would have loved to have seen Nia really mop the floor with Alexa. I mean, the best friends going in. And we all know the best friends can actually put on the best matches. I mean, look at Bailey and Sasha, the epic matches they had. I mean, look at the... Look at Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte from WrestleMania. Look at the awesome match they had last year. I mean, it's one of those things where best friends, I think, do put on great matches. I'm not saying this match wasn't great. I mean, it was actually really cool to see. And it was pretty awesome to see the bank statement being used, Alexa tapping out, and seeing Sasha become a four-time Raw Women's Champion. Well, I don't know. I just want, like I said, I just want to eventually see Nia wearing that title. So, of course, we'll have the honorary rematch, and then we'll go from there. So, who knows? I just hope they don't do what they did with Akira Tozawa. All right. This was this match was pretty fun to watch. The Demon made his return to SummerSlam against the Eater of Worlds. Bray Wyatt, at this point, had been making an attempt to play psychological games with Finn Balor. Unaware, pretty calling the fact that his demon persona was fake, why are people following him, he's not real. And, of course, the ultimate came last Monday on Raw when he poured a bucket of blood on Finn. And Finn promised everyone that Bray had his demons. Well, he's going to find out that Finn had his demons as well. And, oh, boy, did he. I mean, come on. Who doesn't get a kick out of the demon entrance? I mean, we kind of knew that that was going to happen. But when it comes to special WWE special events, it's pretty much a given that that demon is going to make an appearance. And SummerSlam was no exception. But it was still one of those moments where it's like, WWE was smart enough to wait until actual SummerSlam to have the demon appear. Bray Wyatt tried as he might, but it did not work. The demon was able to get the coup de grace on Bray Wyatt. Even the spider walk didn't work on Finn Balor. Bray should have known by now. You can't spider walk with a demon. That ain't happening. So Finn Balor got the victory over Bray Wyatt on that match, and that matchup was pretty kick-ass. So it was really awesome. I really enjoyed it. Had me nail-biting. I was having so much fun. And, of course, loving the demon. So so that was really cool. Now, here's the unusual tandem. Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. This was the... Over a month of will they or won't they? <laughs> it's like a couple getting back together. Are they going to reunite? This is almost as bad as when Miss Elizabeth and the Macho Man got back together. Where are they going to get back together or not? We don't know. DX, where are they going to get back together? We don't know. It's just like one of those things. I mean, Dean Ambrose was still feeling, even though three years had passed, he was still very much feeling the betrayal from Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, for some reason, felt it was time to start atoning for his actions, 
tried apologizing to Dean. Dean wasn't having it. Then Dean saved him from a beatdown, but then Seth did not save him from a beatdown, and there's all kinds of drama. Until finally two of them start beating each other up. But Cesaro and Sheamus had to stir the pot, getting their noses involved, which gave Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose the right momentum to finally realize, you know what, we actually do rule as a tag team. Fist bump, there we go. Which set up the tag team match that we saw at SummerSlam, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose versus Cesaro and Sheamus, which I have to say was... Phenomenal. That was one of the best matches on the card. All four guys gave it their all. It was completely amazing. I absolutely adored it. I mean, it was a nail biter. Someone was like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He's like, yeah. And I had a fun time enjoying watching it with my son, who's a huge Seth Rollins fan. And of course, I'm a Dean Ambrose fan. So you can imagine. Our excitement when we saw our boys winning those tag team championships. It was so much fun. It was a moment I love sharing with my son here. As he's giving me the thumbs up. But I just I was just so happy for them. And I have to admit that as much as I did not like the fact that they were calling it a shield reunion when and I say that with air quotes, when it really wasn't, because there is no S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. S.H.I.E.L.D. is gone. S.H.I.E.L.D. is done. They're not even S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. It's Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. That's what, they, that's what it is. And they are the tag team champions. And they are the ones who are going to carry the gold for a while. And I cannot wait to see what's in store for them as far as who their first sets of opponents will be. So, I mean, we all know Cesaro and Sheamus will eventually have their rematch, but for right now, let's just relish in the fact that Dean and Seth put aside their differences long enough to become the tag team champions. So, so happy about that. All right. Shane McMahon came out, which meant that our United States Championship match was on the line. AJ and Kevin Owens having their moment there. Another pretty awesome matchup between these two. But there were some moments in the matchup that was kind of nail-biting, including when Shane McMahon stumbled out of the ring while AJ had Kevin Owens wrapped up in his submission. Ooh, what's that called? I don't remember. Anyway. And then, of course, when Kevin Owens had AJ pinned, Shane's slapping it down, and just just as he hits the two and three quarters mark, AJ gets his foot on the rope. Even though Shane's hand did go down, AJ's foot was on the rope. Kevin was ready to celebrate, but no. Shane brought up the fact that once again, the foot was on the rope. This match was not happening. It had to continue. Kevin, of course, was pissed. (laughs) He was not happy. Not having it. However... He knew he couldn't do anything about it because he would not only be touching the referee and risking getting disqualified, but he would also be touching the commissioner of SmackDown, which is Shane McMahon. Calf crusher. That's it. That was the maneuver. Calf crusher. 
So, I mean, the two of them, it was like, it was, um, they just went tooth and nail against each other. But with a phenomenal forearm and a style clash, AJ was able to get the win. But not without a little shoving from Shane on Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, of course, was not happy. Feeling once again that Shane did not give him a fair chance at becoming the United States Championship. And we'll get to that once we talk about SmackDown. Well, then that that led us to our two main events, our world title matches. We started off with the SmackDown brand, Jinder Mahal facing Shinsuke Nakamura, which I posted on Twitter saying that this would put the world in world championship, in WWE World Championship. Jinder, of course, had his Singh brothers with him. Shinsuke gave us the pleasure of once again hearing the beautiful melodies of Lee Merriweather Jr. on the violin. Both of them wearing matching red and black outfits. And like I said, this matchup, this was my pick for match of the night. I thought Jinder and Shinsuke put on an excellent matchup. I thought it was so good and so cool. But there was a part of me that kind of knew somehow Jinder would get the victory because basically when hasn't Jinder won a matchup with the Singh brothers? And I'm not talking about the time the Singh brothers were banned from ringside. I'm talking about like all the times they were there whenever Jinder Mahal had a title matchup. Because you know they always interfered and they always did what they had to do. Well, this was no different. Singh Brothers, of course, got into it, got involved, got the referee distracted, got Shinsuke distracted, and gave Jinder the chance for the opening he needed to defeat Shinsuke Nakamura and retain his WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Now, for me... That kind of took the wind out of my sails a little bit because I really wanted Shinsuke to become the world champion. I mean, I thought it was his time finally. I mean, he's really, I mean, he was the NXT champion for quite some time. He made such a name for himself in NXT, got brought up to the main roster, and had so many good matches and even had that matchup with John Cena to determine the number one contender. And that was actually pretty kick-ass too. But I was, like I said, it was just the fact that I just really wanted, oh, uh, personal side note, Laurel Van Ness finally took a shower. Sorry, I got impact on here. <laughs> but, Shinsuke Nakamura, I mean, I thought he was very deserving. But, unfortunately, it was not his time yet. I know eventually it will be his time. And I cannot wait to see him become champion. But with the fact that WWE is going to be heading to India pretty soon, it does kind of make sense to have Jinder Mahal as their champion because it's be a more of a homecoming for him. And, and to be honest with you, 
I honestly have been won over by Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal has won me over over these past couple of months as a champion. I think he is doing a great job. He is the perfect heel champion. He gets the crowd riled up. He's got the Singh brothers always helping him out. I think this is exactly what SmackDown needs, and it's perfect. So I cannot wait to see it. And, of course, you know Shinsuke's going to want another shot at Jinder. But right now, maybe not. But maybe, but we'll just have to slowly wait and see. But I'm not giving up on not seeing the, Shin, the Nakamura dynasty because I know it's going to happen. And I know I'll cry when it does because I really want to see Shinsuke as a champion. So on to our main event. The plot line of Destroy All Monsters is how I describe this main event. Oh, my God. The murder and mayhem that went through this matchup. It was, like I said, it was the plot to destroy all monsters. You had Godzilla. You had King Kong. You had Ghidorah. You had Rodan. You had all these guys in this matchup trying to murder each other. I mean, literally, Braun Strowman flipped the table over Brock Lesnar. There, I mean, there was almost anything and everything that was being used during this matchup. I mean, they did not hold back. Braun Strowman, and I got to admit, for as much as I do not like Braun Strowman, he was the MVP of this matchup. He pretty much stood over every single one of those guys. I mean, steel steps were thrown. People were thrown. I mean, I swear, I think I saw, I think I saw power tools. I don't know. But... (laughs) I mean, Braun Strowman just pretty much laid everybody out, stood toe-to-toe with Brock Lesnar. It was just one of those things where you just could not, like, it was one of the better main events that Raw had put out for a while. However, 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 Brock, one. I don't know why. Like, seriously. When I saw Brock Lesnar give um, Roman that F5, I, uh, I just sat here, and the only thing I could say was, I have never, at any point in time, understood the idea of having Brock Lesnar as a champion. Like, I get the old school way of thinking that the champion wasn't always on TV every single week. I get that. But you're talking about a guy who pretty much only shows up like a full moon once a month, maybe twice, depending on the situation. 
And I'm just wanting to understand why this is happening. And plus, I mean, I can sort of understand they want to set up for the eventual lesnar Strowman showdown, which happened the next night on Raw when Strowman pretty much laid out Brock Lesnar like an all-beef patty. Um, So I got Impact on, looking at my favorite faction, LAX, right now talking. It's just, but getting back to Braun Strowman, it's just one of those things where I'm just not understanding why Braun Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, or Brock Lesnar, I should say, he is not a good champion. I don't get why it must be necessary for him to continue on as champion. However, for as much as I am not a Braun Strowman fan, I dislike him a lot less than I do Brock Lesnar. Like, I cannot stand Brock Lesnar in any way, shape, or form. I can tolerate Braun Strowman. So the next night on Raw, when he gave Brock running power slams, I could not cheer fast enough. It was, yes, (laughs) somebody finally took him out. So at this point, like I said, I really don't care. As long as somebody takes out Brock Lesnar, if it's Braun Strowman, more power to you. All right. I told you she'd be joining us, and now here she is. Live from the 508, here's Beth, everybody. Dude, freaking insane. Completely insane tonight. What happened? I was, okay. So I was scheduled to leave at 8. We had a crazy rush. I finally got up front away from being the person making orders on drive through at 8.20. Asked Danny if he wanted me to close the hole down, close that drawer down, and count it and everything for him. He's like, yeah, sure. Okay, do that. Go to clock out, and there's a line at front counter, and there's literally, four pe- there's literally only four people on, and three of them only know how to do grill. So there's one person up front. So I started taking the orders at front counter, taking care of everybody, bagging everything up for that and for drive-thru and stuff, and finally clocked out at 8.41. Drive-thru still ended up, but then I ordered something to eat, waiting for it. Suddenly drive-thru gets a line. So I worked for another 15 minutes off the clock. Damn. Gotta love Mick life, man. Man. You need to be cloned. <laughs> All right. Well, I've just been talking yeah, for the past the 55. Yeah, I can have the clone that works at Dunkin' Donuts for me, and I could, I could sit home and have a life of leisure and just collect all the money. <laughs> well, I've been sitting here for the past 45 minutes putting down the rundown on both NXT and SummerSlam. Were you able to watch both shows, or were you able to watch just one of them? I have only – I have still, as of now, I have only – but we watched SummerSlam. 
I have not gotten to, I have not gotten around to seeing NXT because Monday, my day off, Monday, my first day off for the week, I was so busy doing 50 million other things. Then Tuesday, I had to, I got up, had to get ready to go out to lunch with my family as a belated birthday thing. Got home from that, no sooner went to go try to take a nap. Then work was calling me and asking me to come in two hours early. So I was like, yep, sure, whatever. Went to work early, closed, slept for three hours, got up, couldn't fall back to sleep, ran errands, worked last, um, had to be to work, worked last night, got home, and as you know from my messages this morning, I literally woke up like 20-something minutes before I had to be to work. So I ended up being a couple minutes late, so... Staying a little bit late that I did actually, you know, kind of worked in my favor. It helped me make up some time. But, yeah. I'm off tomorrow, and I plan on trying to watch TakeOver while I work on some, while I work on some straightening out and stuff and some baking because tomorrow night I have House of Bricks. Saturday I work, and then I'm going right from work to stop home change really quick, and then heading to Pawtucket to the chop shop for RICW's Extreme Retribution. All right, so you saw, okay, so you did see SummerSlam. What were you, what I you saw say SummerSlam, and I have to say, I have to say what the Barclays Center did, what, what the Barclays Center did through the words that they put out on their Twitter and everything like that, to basically oh, turn yes. the pre-show over was a travesty. The Barclays Center put out on their Twitter that the action kicked off at 6.30. Hence why we pretty much had a mostly empty arena, including including just about all of the ringside area for the six-man tag match. I'm sorry, but all six men in that match deserve better. I know. I think somebody actually put out, I think one of the um, parody tweets that I follow actually put out a tweet saying, if we wanted to stay in half-empty arenas, we would have stayed at GFW. So. Right. Not to, mention, <laughs> not to mention, I've actually been reading a few different reports about stuff this week, and I will say, and as you may have seen on my Facebook Monday night, I actually posted, and that was during the segment with Cena, Reigns, and The Miz. I'd actually posted with everything Miz was saying. I was like, is this a shoot? And honestly, I had been reading, and to some degree, it was. Because Miz right now is just at a point where he is extremely frustrated. He is the Intercontinental Champion, yet his title was the only title that wasn't defended at SummerSlam, and he gets relegated to not only to the pre-show, but in a six-man tag match in a mostly empty arena. Yeah, and I honestly, I have to say, on my one. opinion, I think, that was, I think that was one of the greatest Miz promos ever Monday night. That is a good point. So I mean, they have to do something, and I mean, I think I know why. I think I know why it was one of those things where they didn't have an opponent for Miz. 
So they figured they'd just stick him in some kind of a matchup. But to relegate that to an opening contest where the arena wasn't even full, that is that is a real slap in the face. To not only Miz, but as you said, to everyone else involved, especially the Hardys, a 20-plus-year veteran tag team. Relegated to something like that. I mean, it was pretty but bad. I think here's the problem. Here's the, here's the other problem with that, though. The other two matches on the pre-show featured title changes. So there was no way they could justify kicking the show off with a title change in an empty arena. Yeah, you're right about that. So basically, in my opinion, since it has been announced that they will be in Brooklyn again next year for the fourth year in a row, Mm. WWE needs to freaking work with Barclays Center and get them to get their fucking shit figured out because I actually know, I know people who messaged people and were like, so what are you thinking about this match? And they were like, what do you mean? We're not even inside the arena. The show hasn't started yet. There were fans there that didn't even know matches were going on. And they were taking so long with the freaking security protocols and everything. I'm sorry, but I know they open, they open, they open the doors good and early to give you plenty of time to get through the security check and everything like that to an event like Mania. SummerSlam is pretty much one of the sec is pretty much the second biggest pay per view for the WWE of the year. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm sure you see the freaking social media and shit. So the company that books your arena, you have to know that they're promoting that their pre-show starts at 5 p.m. So that tells you if they're going to start doing stuff that's getting taped and getting and getting broadcast on their network, maybe we should open maybe we should open the door at doors at four o'clock so fans have the opportunity to start getting in and get into their seats so that they're ready when the action kicks off. Not oh, we're going to take matters into our own hands and say that the, sh- say that the action doesn't even start until, or, and the pre-show doesn't even start until 6.30 when it's damn well freaking advertised that it starts at freaking 5 o'clock. So I don't know whether it was WWE and their production people or the Barclays Center that dropped the ball on it, but somebody dropped the ball and something needs to be done to not only make it up to the wrestlers that had to perform in front of an empty arena, but to the freaking fans that missed part of a show that they paid damn good money for tickets to see because of what the Barclays Center did to them. Well, it's not the only boo-boo the Barclays Center did. They inadvertently let everyone know who was going to be Universal Champion when they announced that he was going to be on Monday Night Raw. But unlike that, they deleted that tweet, but by that point, it had already been picked up. So we already knew they kind of gave away the ending of the Fatal 4-Away, which, you know, Barclays, oops. <laughs> that was a big oops on their part. Okay. Thank you, so, John. Yeah, like but... I said, they need to get their shit together. Okay, they, they gave that away, but did you did you catch Monday? Did you catch last Monday on Raw, where 
Michael Cole slipped and gave away the fact that Sasha was going to be facing Alexa at frickin' SummerSlam? Yeah, I think I heard that. So it's not the first time this was happened. It was, it was at the beginning of, beginning of the match. And he was like, and next <laughs> Sunday, when, Sasha, when, when Alexa faces Sasha, and then frickin' it's her versus frickin' Nia to find out who's going to face Sasha on frickin' Sunday, but hey, what do what do I know? I'm just I'm just a fan and a podcaster. I know. And then I can't I can't then remember again, what the other one was. Good anyway, so I can't remember what the other one was, but um, there was another one. It was either Monday night or Tuesday night. There was another one that they gave away. Not to mention, and honestly, I agree with um, Yes, you are actually going to hear me say this. I agree with the WWE Universe with the what the fuck over, first of all, what the hell did, um, why the hell did we have the Cruiserweight title change hands for six days? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It was seriously one of those, like, yeah. huh? What is WWE going to get learn? Don't give away your pay-per-view matches by having them the fucking week of the pay-per-view on your regular broadcast, on your regular cable broadcast TV shows. I mean, come on now. How many of the matches Sunday night ended up being rematches from Raw and SmackDown? Well, I kind of get what's going on with that because I'm noticing that over the past few weeks or so, a lot of their ratings are starting to slip. So I think WWE was getting so desperate that they were willing to do that. However, as you stated, it's not exactly a good idea because then your pay-per-view matches lose a little bit of steam because we've already seen it, and it's basically a rematch. So it's like, what's the point? So, yeah, it, it was odd for them to do that and give it away like that, only to have Neville re-win it six days later. Like, wow. <laughs> what was the point of that? I mean, the thing is, legit, if you think about it, really, the... Only title that didn't change hands was the world title and the universal title. Right. Which I should have seen coming because I've seen this happen before. A pay-per-view where every title changed hands except the main event titles. Silly me, thinking all the titles are going to change hands that night. But with all that Dude, being said... So many people were like, so many people were like, when the first two titles changed hands during the pre-show, there were so many creeps out there. Mark my word, new champions all night tonight. Well, they were almost right. <laughs> well, after checking out some of them, what will you say were some of your favorite highlights? Okay. Personally, I thought the match itself was somewhat lackluster, but in my opinion, the SmackDown Women's Championship 
congratulations to Natalia. She's been busting her ass working for the McMahons for six freaking years. It's about damn time they put some gold around her waist. Definitely. Honestly, even though, you know, no offense, I didn't want Sasha to win. Honestly, I did think that Alexa versus Sasha was a really good match. Right. Although, wardrobe, what the fuck were you thinking with Sasha's (laughs) entrance here? <laughs> I know. No sooner did that gear come out that people were comparing it to the Dilophosaurus from Jurassic Park. Yes. Who wore it better? And no. I'm sorry, but Sasha, I think the dinosaur wore it better. <laughs> Don't let her hear you say that. <laughs> Dude, it didn't right. make sense. I know, it was kind of I, strange. I mean, even Sean and I were sitting other, there, the like, only other, like, huh? The only other thing I could think of is maybe they were trying to, without going as extravagant and stuff, kind of trying to uh, have Sasha in a more Sasha-esque version of Charlotte's gear with the freaking high collar like that with the peacock feathers, but I'm sorry, on Charlotte. It makes sense. On Sasha, no. Oh, real quick. Dick Justice is on Impact right now. Nice. Or should I say Richard Justice? Nice. And he's going to be the first one eliminated from the match. That was nice seeing him. All right, how about for the how about for the guys? What would you say some of your highlights of some of their matches were? Owens versus Styles was phenomenal. And so to speak. <laughs> it was a damn good match. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it was. And then, honestly, as much as I'm not a fan of either team, I definitely thought that the raw tag t- the, the, the raw tag title match delivered. Yeah, it did. All right, I also have to say, honestly, the, yep. Go ahead, finish your opinion, then I'll ask. I have to say, even though the arena was a little bit more full, I honestly feel that. Neville and Tozawa did a hell of a job performing as it, as if the arena was full, performing to the crowd that wasn't there, whereas, no offense, not only could you notice it by the camera, but you could also kind of notice that, in my opinion, the six-man match was a little bit lackluster because of the lack of crowd there because they weren't there to give them energy and get them hyped up to perform, you know? Right. What I was going to ask you was what did you think of the moment when Cesaro left the ring to destroy the beach ball? Uh, 
Well, would you- I will say, I, I heard Jr.'s voice in my head. My God, he had a family. <laughs> but it does bring up a very good question, and a lot of people have been debating about it all this week, and everyone's had an opinion about it. But what do you think about moments when the audience tries to take over the show? Especially okay. to the point where it's distracting to the wrestlers in the ring, such as with the beach ball. Okay. You hate your money to go to the show. You knew what you were going to see. I'm sorry, but you're, whether you feel the match is doing or not, you should realize that this match is getting freaking broadcast. You should not be trying to take away from the four men in the ring trying to bust their asses to put on a show and perform for you. Amen. I have to admit, I'm one of those people that when I buy tickets to a wrestling show, I go in with the wacky notion that I actually want to watch a wrestling show, not somebody bouncing a beach ball in the audience. Not to mention, you're there going to you're going to watch the wrestlers. You're going to cheer the faces and boo the heels and put them over by that. Not try to fucking put yourself over. And I've heard from both sides of the debate, too. People are saying, you know, well, I paid my ticket. I should be allowed to do what I want. The same thing goes with the chance. As we all know, audience can be pretty ridiculous when it comes to chance. Such as, you know, some of the ones we've heard. Um, you know, oh, what about that time Divas matchup? Someone broke out into the, they tried breaking out into the waves. Not Divas matchup. It was a tag team matchup. But do you think, I mean, well, I mean, we all know the fans are there to have a good time, but at what point does that line get crossed where you go from having a good time to trying to take over? When it's to the point where your freaking actions are distracting the wrestlers from doing their fucking job, you've gone too far. So, yeah, so pretty much Cesaro was in the right to destroy the beach ball. In my opinion, yes, Cesaro was in the right. But I mean, I am wholeheartedly in agreement because, like I said, I pay my ticket to see a wrestling show. I want to see wrestlers. I don't want to hear you saying, hey, let's blow up a beach ball. And now it's gotten to the point where the WWE has added it onto a list of things that are banned from an arena. Because apparently somebody tried it again on Monday Night Raw. They did have beach balls Monday They did have beach balls Monday there were actually fans that almost got kicked out of it, out of Raw, because they didn't want to give the beach balls away, give the beach balls to them on Monday night. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but there was actually some. There was, there's actually a video going around after everything went off and stuff with Cena telling the fans that the fans are there to have that 
He loves it when the he loves it when the fans do what they do because it's them having a good time and that's the whole point of going to a show to have a good time. But at the same time, you need to let the wrestlers do their job and their job is to make sure you have a good time. Right. If you're that bored with the matchup, go to the merchandise table. Go get food. Go to the bathroom. You know? Don't try to mm-hmm. make it about you. Don't try to make it about, you know, whether you've got, you know, somebody's phone number you want to put on a poster or don't try calling sexist remarks to the women who are in the ring or don't try. Okay, we have to talk about this because I know you're dying to say something about it. The video that you posted about that kid slapping Alexa on the butt. I know you want to say something. Because, <laughs> quite frankly, if that had been... JC and I actually discussed I was, it last week, and JC was know, in complete agreement it. with me. Because if that had been my kid, I would have been dragging him out on his ass and whipping him a new one for doing that. Because that is sexual harassment, not cute. And the fact that the thing is, didn't get away with that. It didn't look, exactly. It didn't look like the kid was corrected in any way, shape, or form for doing that. I'm sorry, but first kind of all, reminds me of that. Yeah, kind of reminds me of that video of the kid who copped the feel on Natalia. First of all, there are people who are trying to say, "Oh, he's only like seven or eight. I'm sorry. Look at the video. Look at the size of that damn kid. That kid, in my opinion, is between like nine and eleven. And I'm sorry. But by the time you're in that age group, you know what you know the difference between right and wrong. You know what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. The fact that the parents didn't even seem to correct the child in any way, shape, or form in the video absolutely disgusts me. You're sending the message, whether you realize it or not. You send the me- you're, you're, you're sending the message to the child that that is acceptable behavior. That is not acceptable behavior. If that kid was over 18, there could have been sexual harassment charges filed on, on him. Not yeah. to mention being thrown out of the arena. Exactly. Um, by, and, and also, you know, by doing that, it's Okay. It's okay. You, you you can reach out and touch. You can reach out and touch somebody without permission. No, you fucking can't. No, and you heard Naya say, "No, don't touch her." No mm-hmm. means no. It's just another way in which rape culture is perpetuated. I actually got into, I literally got into a fucking argument about this in one of the groups that I'm in on Facebook, and I had this guy, oh, does somebody need to call you a wambulance? It's not even like that. It was funny. The kid was seven or eight, and I'm like, and if he was an adult, that would have been sexual harassment. 
And there were other people standing up and sticking up for me and saying, no, she's right. That isn't appropriate. It shouldn't have happened. At the very least, family should have been escorted out of the arena, not left to stay there for the rest of the show. And I had a bunch of people basically jumping on me and attacking me and saying they're easily butthurt and sensitive and calling me a fucking snowflake and stuff like that. Mm. Dude, first of all, first of all, you may take something one way. Somebody else is. Somebody else could take that. Could could take watching that exact same thing completely different than you. I was giving my opinion. In my opinion, it was offensive. Who are you to tell me my opinion is wrong? No, I can tell you right now. Your your opinion was completely right. As a parent myself, I try to teach my kids values and lines and stuff. And I have a son. And there's one thing I've taught him is that he needs to treat women with respect. Now I know that he would that he would like not do anything like that. And I, he knows if he did, I would pretty much beat him a new one. That kid right there, like I said, had it been my kid, I would have been squeezing him by the ear and yanking him out and be like, "What the fuck were you thinking?" Okay, you know I bring my niece and nephew to shows with me sometimes. Mm-hmm. If my nephew ever tried to do tried anything like that, the two of them would be collecting their belongings and walking out of there and leaving the show so fast their little heads would spin around like freaking Linda Blair in The Exorcist. Right. Because they wouldn't know what the hell hit them. This is not acceptable. This is not what we do. We are not staying for the rest of the show. I don't care. I wouldn't care if, but Auntie, John Cena hasn't come out yet. Well, guess what? You shouldn't have put your hands on Alexa Bliss. Which brings up something else that's been going on this week that's been kind of trending on Twitter for the past couple of days. I don't know what perpetuated it, and I don't know what started it, but for some reason, people are starting to question why women are wrestling fans. JC, I know, put up a couple of tweets about it. Um, it was some kind of a I've honestly been so busy with work, I've barely been on Twitter this week. That's, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, it was just something I just noticed. It was some kind of a hashtag that said, you know, um, like women, uh, like hashtag women can love wrestling too or something. Oh, wrestling girls break the internet. Like, apparently, some girls have been called into question as to whether or not they're true wrestling fans just because they're women. Which got me to thinking, why should I have to explain myself as to why I'm a wrestling fan? I started this podcast because of that. I started it because I love wrestling. I've loved wrestling since I was 10 years old. Okay, fast forward 30 years later, and nothing has changed except the wrestlers. Wrestling, to me, is a live soap opera. It's fun. It's entertaining. And as much as I can gripe about it from time to time, I still tune in every week. I still buy the merchandise. I still watch the shows. I still record stuff, tape stuff, whatever, write stuff. Doesn't matter. I love professional wrestling. As a woman, I shouldn't have to talk and describe myself as to why I love it. 
just accept the fact that I do. Would you ask me the same thing if I loved football? Would you ask me the same thing if I loved baseball, soccer, NASCAR? Why should I have to explain myself if I'm a wrestling fan and I just happen to have a vagina? I mean, do you sometimes ever get grief for being a wrestling fan just because you're a woman? I have, I have people that I have people that see me at shows until they hear how vocal I get at shows. Either that think that I'm either there for the stereotypical, even though I'm not there with a guy. If if I happen to be like sitting next to a guy that I'm friends with and talking with them, it's thought of it's thought that either I'm the stereotypical. I'm at the show because my boyfriend likes wrestling and I wanted to spend time with him. But I don't like this. Or I'm the oh my god, all these guys are so cute. Huh. Maybe I can maybe I can get with them ring rat mentality. I'm sorry, but just because you like wrestling doesn't mean that just because you're at a wrestling show doesn't mean you're there because somebody's somebody that you're with likes wrestling and you just happen to be tagging along with them or because you're trying to freaking get laid by wrestlers. Not everyone goes to not every female goes to wrestling shows because they're a fucking ring rat. I actually have people that when they hear how passionate I am when I'm like freaking getting into the shows or like when I talk about it and they realize I actually know the business, I actually understand the business, I actually know what the fuck I'm talking about. They're like, dude, I've seriously got so much respect for you because they're like. You're not. You don't only walk the walk of being a wrestling fan, but you talk the talk. You know what you're. You know what you're talking about. You know what you're doing. I mean, granted, yes. Not this past weekend, but the weekend before, yes. I had my fangirl moments with Pete Dunne, but you know what? I don't just like Pete Dunne because I think he's attractive, which I do. I also like Pete Dunne because, in my opinion, especially after seeing him wrestle Friday that Friday night in Brooklyn versus Darius Carter, who, no offense, I have seen in some of the sloppiest, most hot mess matches I've ever witnessed in my life. The fact that, first of all, he made Darius Carter look like a million bucks, that right there shows his skill because... The more talented, if if you're truly a talented wrestler, you can take somebody, you can take the most, you can take the most inexperienced or most god awful person, and you can make them look good. That is part of the business, selling and everything to help tell the story, to 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 make the match make sense, to make your opponent look good. Pete Dunne can do that. You have any questions about that? Watch his match. Watch him in that tag match with Wolfgang last night against his best friends, Trent Seven and Tyler oh, Bates. God, yes. Go online. Go onto YouTube. The wrestling promotion is ICW. I think it's Insane Championship Wrestling or something like that. It's from Scotland yes, it or is. Ireland or somewhere. There is a four-way match there with BJ Gunn, Wolfgang. Trent Seven and Pete Dunne for the WWE UK Championship. And this match literally is one of the best matches I have seen in a long time. 
I mean, granted, I still, in my opinion, one of the matches of the year, still from the WWE or any other promotion this year, is Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bay at NXT TakeOver in Chicago. I'm, I'm sorry, but that match for me, as good as that match was, that has set the bar for this year, to me, pretty damn high. And it's going to have to be an absolutely amazing match from opening bell to closing bell to top that match in my mind for this year. See? A woman, see what I mean? See, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, I pretty much have talked to guys, too, and a lot of them have told me that I have a really good mind for the business. Hell, Matt Hardy himself had said that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to wrestling, okay? So the fact that I don't know what started this, I don't know what perpetuated this, who in some caveman mindset decided to start the fact that women can't be wrestling fans. I don't know why you question that. JC, she was all on the right for posting that, but she also brought up a good point. Why should we have to bring up a resume as to why we like it? Just accept the fact that we do and that women are now getting more and more into the business and more and more are starting to make an impact in professional wrestling. I mean, this coming Monday okay, is the now start of the May Young Tournament. I'm actually on Twitter right now looking through and checking through that hashtag. And no offense, it's basically, it basically seems to be a freaking excuse for females to post. It's basically they're just going through and posting pictures of themselves. They're not explaining why they're a wrestling fan. It's, oh, let's post a bunch of selfies of me with wrestlers and me in wrestling shirts. How is that, to, yeah. how is that explaining why you're a wrestling fan and breaking the stigma that we're here to be ring rats or because our boyfriends like it? It's not. Well, I, still, I guess we still got a ways to go, but I'm sure things are going to change once that May Young Classic starts this Monday. Which I'm very oh, excited I can't wait. about. Oh my God, man! Seeing the bracket right there, I'm already like excited for it. Although I'm a little concerned of the fact that Abby Lace is going to be facing Jazzy Gilbert. I mean, that's a good one foot height difference right there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, this is going to be like this tournament. I cannot be any more excited for it. I mean, it's just amazing. And WWE has put out videos every single week, every single day for the past couple of weeks, focusing on the different stars or a group of stars like tattoos and stuff like that. And I love the fact that you're getting to know each of the women personally, uh, how they got into wrestling, what they did to get into wrestling, what inspired them. And it's just amazing to me to see how much hard work and dedication. A lot of them are from are rookies from the past couple of years to veterans who have been in wrestling for years now. And it's just, I don't know, I'm just, like, so excited to see this. And I cannot wait to see the first set of matches. And the finals are the middle of September, right? Yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing the co- to, because uh, because of the fact I got to see her. In, in both um, Queens and up in and up in Somerville, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing Dakota Kai in the um, May in the May Young Classic. Oh, the um, the one from us, the one from New Zealand. 
Yes. Yeah, I cannot wait to see. Okay, you said you said Dakota Kai, but who else do you have your eyes on in the tournament? Like, who are some really? of the other ones you're really looking forward to? Tony you okay? Storm. Okay. Yeah. It should Tony go Storm. without. Yeah. It should go without saying that, you know, uh, our our good friend, formerly known as Kimberly. Oh, yes. I will say, too, honestly, I am actually, I, I am actually, I, I'm, I'm excited to see Candice LeRae and see what she does. And I'm honestly very interested in seeing what... Shayna Baffler does in a wrestling ring, considering I considering we've seen what she can do in a UFC ring. Yep, I'm looking at her picture right now. I mean, Tessa Blanchard is good. Obviously, hello, look who her father is. Personally, I'm kind of oh, yeah. I'm kind of over Santana Garrett. I like me I like Mia Yim too, though. I think she's good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a shame. I thought it was a shame that GFW actually let her slip through their fingers. Ooh. Yeah, that's true. But let's face it; she moved up. Yes. Yeah, yes, she did. Well, I'm also I'm also in agreement with you. I'm definitely definitely have Abby Leif as one of my higher picks to go all the way in this tournament. Um, I'm also curious to see the one, the other person that sticks out in my mind in this whole tournament is her opponent, Jazzy Gilbert. Um, she to me, uh, Jazzy Gabbert, sorry, Jazzy Gabbert. She looks to me like, I mean, I've I've seen her in action. She was formerly the, if I remember correctly, she was called the alpha female, right? Yes. Okay. I'd seen some clips of her before and, Boy, that girl's tough. <laughs> so I know she's probably going to, I know she and Abby are probably going to have one spectacular matchup. Princesa Suhit, I'm, that one, of course, the Spanish side of me, really looking forward to seeing that. She's a 20-plus year veteran in the sport. Uh, Tessa Blanchard, yeah, she's another name that I'm actually looking at. Another girl that actually sticks out to me, and I saw her video today, Piper Niven from Scotland. Um, she actually looks like she's pretty tough. She said she her style's hard, hard, hardcore, hard narc style. And actually showed a clip of her in the matchup with Heidi Lovelace, whom we now know as Ruby Riot. And whew, that girl is tough right there. And of course, we can't forget from Japan, Carrie Sane. She's another top competitor right there to look at. But all in all, I cannot be any more excited for this tournament. And it starts this Monday night after Raw. I'm just so happy for it. I can't wait to sit, binge watch it, and just be excited for it. And it just goes to show just how far women's wrestling has come. I mean, do you ever think 10 years ago we'd be seeing something like this happening? Sadly, no. 
No, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's what's weird about it. You would not think 10 years ago we would actually have a tournament of women's wrestlers to determine who's the best in the world. <laughs> and, of course, I know you're also excited considering that your favorite's going to be one of the commentators for the tournament. And which one of my favorites is that that you're referring to? <laughs> your girl. Are? Nope, your girl right there. Lita? Yep. Didn't you know that? <laughs> they were talking about it during the uh, kickoff show either Saturday or Sunday because I was watching the kickoff, <clears throat> but then I had to go to bed. Yeah, Lita is going to be one of the college commentators along with good old JR calling the entire tournament. I figured you would have been so excited about that because you're you're a huge Lita fan. Of course, following her from the days at ECW. Yes, as Angelica and Miss Congeniality. See, but here's my thing. I'm so, to a degree, and I know that it's, you know, because of stuff that they've done in the past and everything, but I'm still, to a degree kind of upset over people that I feel are talented enough that deserve to be in the tournament that aren't. I honestly, I think Jessica Havoc deserves to be in the May Young Classic because she's a phenomenal women's athlete. Well, if this tournament is successful, and I think it pretty much will be, it could become an annual thing. She could begin it next year. We shall see. I mean, and like I said, that's what this tournament, that's the beauty about this tournament, because you've got people who are only been in wrestling for like maybe two or three years getting their chance in this, but then you've also got veterans such as Mercedes Martinez, Abby Lace, um, Mia Yim, Marty Bell. Jazzy Gabbert, all these people who've been wrestling for many years now, getting their chance in this tournament. So it's going to be such a mix of styles seeing um, all these different – I mean, we're going to be seeing probably a lot of not only high flying, but also mat wrestling, a lot of hard knocks wrestling. I mean, it's going to be pretty amazing. It's going to be pretty much up there with the Cruiserweight Classic. So I cannot wait about it. I cannot wait. So excited. So happy. But speaking of moving up, this past Tuesday night on SmackDown, the show got glorious. Okay, what was your feeling when you first heard the first riff of the piano? Like, what were you thinking? I wouldn't know. I didn't watch SmackDown. I worked from 4 p.m. till 1.30 in the morning. Oh, jeez. Well, I'll put it this way. It was like, I'm sitting here, and I'm seeing Aiden English do his normal, you know, you know, know, that whole thing. And then when the lights go dark, the piano starts riffing. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And it was like, there, I was like, oh, my God. I was so happy. And I cannot wait to see, like, what's going to happen with Bobby Roode. I mean, 
you know eventually he's going to be up in that main event picture. So, but do you think Bobby Roode is a good addition to SmackDown? I think so. I think so as well. But here's something interesting I was reading. And I've got to get your opinion because I know for me, I'm not happy about it. But apparently, they're thinking about changing his theme song. Yay or nay? No. You haven't changed anybody else that's come up from NXT's music when they've come up to the main roster. Don't do it to Rude. Well, the general consensus at the backstage area is the fact that they think that the music makes him sound more like a face than the heel that he is. Which I think is a bunch of bullshit because even when the music stopped, we were booing him. He's still a heel. But you can't change that theme because it is an awesome theme and it fits him perfectly. So if it ain't broke... Don't fix it. So all in all, I'd have to say, um, I think SummerSlam, you know, I thought SummerSlam was actually not a bad show. I mean, it could have been a little better at some points, but if you had to explain to somebody who didn't watch wrestling, but yet they saw a clip of Enzo oiling himself up in the cage, what would you say? Don't judge wrestling by this. <laughs> okay, what were you thinking when you saw that? Oh, no, Papas, what is you doing? <laughs> it was bad. It took me another time watching it to notice it, but he has the poop emoji on the back of his shorts, which I thought was weird enough. But I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, why is he stripping down to his underwear, and why is he oiling him? Oh. <laughs> but it was like, um... Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> I was just like, what is he? No. And and speak, and speak and even though Enzo. it's not something he's known for doing, I legit, in my mind, when he was hanging from the cage, all I kept picturing in my mind with Cass jumping and spearing him. I was thinking of Cass jumping and depancing the guy. Then all of New York would have had a full moon. <laughs> uh, but speaking of our boy Enzo, apparently Enzo only weighs 205 pounds, which qualifies him for a certain broadcast. Meet the newest member of the 205 roster. Mm-hmm. Yay or nay? 
okay, with all due respect, 205 seems to be where, they put, where they're putting the people that they don't know what the fuck to do with. Well, a lot of this is stemming from the supposed backstage heat that Enzo has within the WWE. They need to find some way of using him. And I guess they feel adding him to the 205 Live roster is the way to go. Which I'm not sure if I can agree with, considering they already have a roster of talented individuals as it is. But does this mean they're thinking of putting the title on Enzo after Neville just won it back? Um, how can you justify that? That's what I'm saying. You can't. You no. can't just. I mean, you you can't. You can't justify giving Enzo the cruiserweight title when, no offense, everybody knows. And the strong point is his skills on the microphone, not his skills in the ring. Yeah, I mean, he's okay, but he's not exactly championship material. Do you think maybe that's one of the real reasons why they never let Enzo and Cass run with the tag team titles? On either I don't know. show? No, so, but also with that comes another bit of bad news coming out of WWE, and that is, of course, after his street fight this past Monday night on Raw, Cass suffered a torn ACL, which is putting him out of action. And it's going to be out for at least nine months. Mm Mm-hmm. Which injuries... So, Cass, Cass, have a good recovery. We'll miss you. And this sucks, definitely, because he's going to be missing out on WrestleMania. So, but we'll still get a chance to see him in October when the new season of Total Divas starts because Carmella's going to be on it. So, therefore, her boyfriend's going to be on it. Who's her boyfriend? Big Cass. So we'll still be able to see him. Speaking of boyfriends, I am so fucking confused. What's up? I am truly so fucking confused. Because I I could have sworn Dana Brooke was with Dolph Ziggler. Oh, they broke up. Okay, but here's my thing. Her boyfriend just passed away, yet they made it seem like she had they had been together for like a really long time. Well, I can understand you thinking about that. But the last time I saw something posted about Dana Brooke and Dolph Ziggler was earlier this year. But then nothing much after that. So my guess is they probably broke up, like, over the winter 
But who knows? I mean, for a while, we didn't even know Dolph Ziggler was dating Amy Schumacher a couple of years back. So who's to say? But, yes, we wish to send our condolences to Dana Brooke on the loss of her boyfriend. And she's starting a foundation in his honor to help with children's charities through ministries and stuff. So she started a GoFundMe page. You can go to her Twitter at WWE Dana Brooke and see for yourself how you can donate, how you can help out. The goal is to reach $150,000. You're already at almost $23,000, maybe over as of this broadcast. So if you get a chance to donate, help them out. Um, she's taking, I mean, probably won't see her on TV for a couple of weeks so she could take time to mourn, but we want to wish our condolences to Miss Brooke. We're very sorry for your loss. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, we want to congratulate Leo Rush for not only becoming the newest member of the WWE roster, but also announcing that he's going to have another child on the way. He already has a son now. He announced that his girlfriend is pregnant with their second child, so congratulations to them with that. And he, along with Donovan Dijak, will soon be heading to the Performance Center to start on their path to becoming WWE superstars. And another man who has made his debut at WWE is one Adam Cole, baby. What did you think when you heard that Adam Cole had joined the WWE? Well, it's about fucking time. (laughs) I know. This was long overdue. I was so happy. I mentioned earlier in the broadcast that he was a former guest here on the show, and he's just an all-around great guy and stuff, but he's a hard worker. He's hold, held multiple titles, worked with ROH for so long, worked with PWG, and had so much going on for him that I know when I saw him at NXT attacking Drew McIntyre like that, it was like, huh? It was like, it was like oh, my God, so cool. And according to um, NXT tapings tonight, he is going to be making an appearance within the next couple of weeks, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. But, yeah, like you said, about fucking time WWE got him. All right. So you say you've got House of Bricks coming up. Why don't you let the fans know what's going on with that? All right. <clears throat> Tomorrow night, we have at the All Ranks Gymnastics Academy in New Bedford, Massachusetts, which, give me a second, I will have the address for you. Come on, faster, faster. <laughs> yes, I'm yelling at my phone. Okay. All Ranks Academy of Gymnastics, uh, 114 Conway Street in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Doors open 6 p.m. Show starts at 7 p.m. We are presenting House of Bricks Brickiversary. We have already announced so far for the night. 
Okay. Come on. With me. Yes, I'm yelling at the phone again because it's being. Okay. We have a TLC match tomorrow night. A women's TLC match. Amanda Fox versus Isana. Oh, son of a gun. And why are you completely quiet? Because I'm listening to you. I'm letting you promote. Okay. I'm like, wait a second. Why are you completely quiet? Why aren't you saying anything? I'm giving you a chance. Remember, I'm into shameless self-promotion, and I'm helping you self-promote your house of bricks. Yes, you you are the queen of shameless self-promotion, Miss. Guess what? I made it. <coughs> guess what? I made it into a local paper wearing my shirt for the show. Mm-hmm. Damn right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Discussion. I hope. Okay. We have appearing Sweetheart Scott Ashworth, Yura Violent, Rob Marsh, and Billy Vox. We have Teddy Goods versus Anthony Stone, a.k.a. Hardcore Jesus. We have a triple threat for the House of Bricks Heavyweight Championship featuring former champion Michael Foster, the outlaw moonshiner J.D. Pickle, and Chris Cruz. We have the Mac Attack in action tomorrow night, Monster Mac and training number one. We have a six-pack challenge where the winner will be the number one contender for the House of Bricks Southern New England Championship. And we have Leon Gaston, Venom, Donald Rotten, Derek Conway, Remy Blackheart, and Jumpin' Jack Connor. Or Jammin' Jack Connor. I don't know why I want to call him Jumpin' Jack Connor. We have Mm -hmm. tomorrow night also. For the House of Bricks Southern New England Championship match, we have the champion, El Ponto Iala, versus Sully Banger. We have a House of Bricks Tag Team Championship match, where it's the <coughs> current champions, the Middlesex Express, will be facing the team of the Wild Hammers, Devin Baker, Wildside Devin Baker, and Zach the Hammer Ramos. As mentioned, we have a tables, ladders, and chairs match for the House of Bricks Women's Championship Cup featuring <clears throat> Amanda Fox versus Isana. <clears throat> and announcing will be done tomorrow evening by the voice of House of Bricks, Tim, Weis- Tim Weisberg. Also scheduled to appear in some capacity, we have a good, good, good personal friend of the show, the beautiful, the wonderful, the majestic oh, King Leon the Sixth. Oh, Leon's going to be there. Yes. <coughs> <laughs> then, Saturday night, starting at 6 p.m., we have RICW's Extreme Retribution 2017. 
we have a fatal four-way RICW Warzone Championship match where the champion, Hunter Kane, will be facing Insane Dick Lane, David X, and Johnny Mata. We have the RICW Golden Global Championship with the champion, Fernando versus Brian Fire. We have a grudge match, Nick Marchand versus Jason Devine. The RICW Inner City Championship, we have the champion, Johnny Marinelli versus Chris Dozer. For control of RICW, we have Taz Lucas being escorted to the ring by Mama and Jacqueline Sparks versus Eddie Vegas with Bobby Rossi and Johnny Mata. We have the RICW Tag Team Championship handicap, two versus one, Bad co- the Tag Team Champions Bad Company versus the Irish Warrior. We have the RICW Vixens Championship with the champion Jacqueline Sparks versus Isada. We have a contract match, Jamie Tucker versus Little Daddy Bravo. And we have the RICW Universal Championship triple threat match with the champion Chaz Marinelli versus Vincenzo Abruzzi and King Leon. 60 Six. seconds. You can order online VIP tickets to have your choice of seating and early access at 5.30 p.m. Tickets are only $10. Check out the RICW Facebook page for that. While you're checking out Facebook pages, check out the Squared Circle Cafe's Facebook page. Check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. For only, 20, for only $20 plus shipping, get yourself a Squared Circle Cafe shirt. Check us out on Twitter at SCC Podcast. Check us out individually at that Daria chick and at that Betsy and at Betsy Page on Twitter. All right, thank you for tuning in. Good afternoon. Good evening.